Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. Hi, everyone. I'm John C. Morley, the host of the J. Moore Tech Talk Show and Inspirations for Your Life. Hey everyone, it is John C. Morley here, serial entrepreneur. Welcome to the Jay Moore Tech Talk Show. I can't believe it. We are in the second week of September. Where did the entire month of August, forget August, where did the whole summer go? And pretty soon I'll be saying, where did the year go, right? Uh, we have another great show for you tonight, but I have some sad news. Um, just yesterday, uh, we learned that, um, yes, Queen Elizabeth um, has, uh, has passed away. And um, she died at 96 after a 70-year reign. Um, this uh, has probably surprised... A lot of people, because it is very, very sad news. This was just a wonderful lady. Uh, Britain revered her. And, um, you know, things are probably going to change a lot. And she really kept things uh, the way they needed to be. Uh, as we say, uh, and I want to quote uh, Hello Magazine, Her Majesty passed away peacefully at Balmoral Castle. Her loved ones, including Prince Charles and grandson Prince Williams, had traveled to Scotland to be by her side after doctors expressed fresh concern for her health on Thursday. Uh, so they did get a little bit of notice uh, and a statement I want to quote from the palace. The queen died peacefully at Balmoral this afternoon. The king and the queen consort will remain at Balmoral this evening and will return to London tomorrow. Again, this was from uh, Thursday. Uh, a short time before the announcement, family members uh, were pictured arriving at Balmoral, uh, Prince William, Prince Andrew, Prince Edward, and Sophie Wessex were seen driving into the estate and the Duchess of Cambridge remained in London to care for her three children. Um, you know, this is a very sad time. But um, Elizabeth was just 25 when she became queen following the death of her father. And since then, she has steadfastly led the country and the Commonwealth in an ever-changing world with a sense of uh, humility, humor, and a commitment of duty 
to be there um, for uh, the monarch. I think that is just uh, amazing. And so, you know, I can definitely tell you that she lived an amazing life. And um, I know uh, that uh, Ingla is very grateful for everything that she has done. And uh, I know every time I got to see her on TV or in the media, she always had that sparkle in her face and her eyes. And I think that's uh, that's pretty amazing. All right, let's get into the rest of our show. Um, but uh, again, a, a very um, humble and um, sovereign, but very sincere, uh, deepest uh, thoughts of gratitude go out from myself, from our staff, uh, to uh, the entire uh, family um, and uh, to be with them in this time. So uh, I know this is not an easy time for them. But we can always remember and live on from all the great memories that Queen Elizabeth uh, had brought. Uh, you know, there was a cheese. I don't know if you guys know this. Uh, the cheese is called cathedral cheese. And this cheese was actually um, Queen uh, Elizabeth's favorite. So um, pretty interesting about that. So let's get into our show, right? We've got, we've got a lot to share with you uh, for uh, today. And so, um, well, Apple. Yes. Apple's new SOS feature. Is Apple's new SOS feature a game changer? Well, and I want to quote something from CNET. It's not a true satellite phone, but it could help connect you to first responders when cellular and Wi-Fi service isn't available. Well, how does it actually work? Well, it has technology in the phone that allows it to communicate with a satellite when pointed to the satellite. That's the important thing. You have to keep it pointed uh, near the satellite so that it can transfer uh, a message such as uh, uh, something you text or something you want to record. And then that can be relayed, relayed to other authorities. Uh, so um, definitely interesting. And so, you know, when we think about this new feature i mean it's definitely great but it's not gonna be like the be all end all because you have to be in uh visual sight of the satellite and um they are marketing it as a system that you can send texts or messages it doesn't really say that you can communicate live but that you could send something and they're working in partnerships with satellite telecommunications companies a uh, global star um and the feature will use Global Star's network of satellites so that you can send text messages from messaging apps to emergency services or contacts when other connectivity options such as uh, Wi-Fi or uh, cellular services are not available. Now, unlike iMessages, which has the blue chat bubbles when uh, messaging other Apple users or green bubbles when messaging those with Android phones, messages sent using the emergency SOS feature will be displayed in, get this, gray bubbles that's pretty cool all right that's pretty neat um so you might be saying to me john you know what what are the um the downfalls because we got to talk about that the dame downfalls of apple's new sos feature and um some things i think you need to know apple is introducing the new emergency sos via satellite feature 
And it's designed to allow emergency messages to be sent even when cellular and Wi-Fi connections are unavailable. So we already know that. And it's important to understand when it works, quote unquote, because it doesn't work all the time. And I want to quote what they're saying. Satellite connectivity is available to be used whenever you are out of range of Wi-Fi or cellular and need to send an emergency message. All right. Apple says that it was designed for use in open spaces with a clear line of sight to the sky. So performance may be impacted or impaired if there are trees or buildings that are nearby. So what are the messaging options? Well, you can't make phone calls using the SOS via satellite feature, but you can send short text messages. Um, the iPhone will actually front load uh, vital questions to assess your situation, and you can send that information to emergency personnel as soon as you're connected. Um, basically, when you start, what's the emergency? Is it a vehicle issue? Is it a sickness or injury? Is it a crime? Uh, are you lost or trapped? Or is there a fire? Now, Apple created a compression algorithm that makes text messages three times smaller to speed up communication uh, as much as possible. I think that is pretty incredible. Now, if you're in an area where emergency services uh, can receive text messages, the text messages will be sent directly. Otherwise, it will go to a uh, relay center with Apple trained specialists that will be able to place an emergency call for you. That is, uh, you know, pretty cool. So again, um, the iPhone is communicating with the satellite. The satellite goes to a ground station, goes to a relay center, and then the relay center, people actually send it out to your emergency services, thus for why they want to keep it short. So using satellite functionality requires your iPhone to connect. Let me say that again. Using satellite functionality requires your iPhone to connect to a satellite in the sky. So the iPhone um, will walk you through where to point your iPhone to get it connected to the nearest satellite. And there's a little uh, screen that pops up. And when you've basically uh, targeted it properly, you'll see the little green beacon. And it'll say connected. And it'll say keep pointing at the satellite. And then you can go ahead and uh, you know send your message. So Apple says that if you have a clear view of the sky, a short message can be sent within 15 seconds, but it can also take several minutes if there are obstructions. Now, um, the thing about this, through satellite connectivity, iPhone users can share their location over Find My, uh, even when there's no cellular or Wi-Fi connection, which provides additional security for those camping or hiking in remote areas. So really cool. Crash detection, the iPhone 14 models have the new dual core accelerometer that can detect G-force measurements up to 256 GS and a new high dynamic range gyroscope, both of which are for crash detection. And that's a new feature that pairs with emergency satellites as it allows you to get help even if uh, you're, uh, you crash in a remote location. Uh, and again, we've talked about the global partnership. And according to an SEC filing submitted following Apple's event, Apple is working with Global Store on the satellite connectivity feature and global store will be apple's satellite operator and it has agreed to allocate 85 percent of its current and future network capacity to support apple's iphones that's pretty cool so global store and apple's contract says that global store will provide and maintain all resources including personnel software satellite systems and more and maintain minimum quality and coverage standards apple has not provided details on how much satellite connectivity will cost 
but all iPhone 14 users will get two years of satellite connectivity for free. Do you suffer from chronic hip, knee, or shoulder pain? Avoid drug dependency and surgery with Downtown's Healthcare in Denver. Downtown's Healthcare offers regenerative therapies that stimulate the body's self-healing process. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. All right. I'd like to see that it would be free all the time and that maybe a provider actually pays for that. That would be really cool. So satellite connectivity will be available in the United States and Canada on all iPhone 14 uh, models. International travelers who visit the United States and Canada can use the emergency SOS via satellite, except if they bought their phone in China, mainland, Hong Kong, or Morocco. As emergency SOS via satellite isn't offered in those countries, and thus it's not part of the bill. Apple says that emergency SOS via satellite might not work in places above 62 degrees latitude, such as northern parts of Canada and Alaska. So the emergency SOS via satellite is set to launch in November of 2022. So um, that is pretty cool. But it's important to note that it doesn't work everywhere. And you have to make sure that you're doing the right thing or you're not going to be sending your message, even though you think you are. You've got to stay connected. All right, so let's stay tuned with the SOS feature. And um, I think it's great where they're going with it. I just like to see some other government agency or something else pay for that infrastructure because I feel that this cost should not be something people should have to absorb if this is being used for truly an emergency. All right. Ah. Uh... We all like rockets, right? Well, the military wants to use rockets to deliver cargo everywhere. What the heck is this about? Well, this is uh, pretty interesting. So the Air Force announced on June 4, 2021, that the designation of rocket cargo as the fourth Vanguard program as part of its transformational science and technology portfolio identified in the DAF 2030 science and technology strategy for the next decade. Uh, as per the U.S. Air Force. And this is the U.S. Air Force um, that is putting this whole project basically together. And I think it's a great idea. Now, the U.S. Air Force, and I quote, wants to test whether it's possible to move hundreds of tons of military equipment to forward operating locations and bases around the world using reusable rockets instead of mobility aircraft. Uh, not too long ago, the service announced that rocket cargo, quote unquote, will be the fourth experiment under its Vanguard program, which examines how new technologies and commercial capabilities can be applied to its missions. The service is asking lawmakers for just $47.9 million in its 2022 budget. Nah, just $47.9 million. I'm sure they can squeeze that by. To develop the technology and test whether it can deliver cargo anywhere on the earth in less than, get this ladies and gentlemen, one hour. Wow. That is pretty impressive. So cargo, uh, stuff for the military, but will the rest of the world use it for other things besides medical um, situations or uh, different types of devices? Will it be used to ship products and consumer goods down the road? Maybe. Maybe your Amazon or maybe your uh, online store or eBay might have a um, place that they bring it to called the uh, Rocket Cargo Center. You know, we have UPS. We might have Rocket Cargo 
UPS and Rocco Rocket Cargo International. I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. Uh, but I think it's kind of cool, you know, where it's going and what they're doing to innovate this. So definitely a neat thing. We'll definitely keep our eyes peeled on this. And ladies and gentlemen, Google restricts travel to business critical trips only. What is this all about? Well, Google is cl uh, clamping down, as you know, on employee travel. And they're telling some senior managers um, that um, they need to limit travel to business critical trips, according to an email to managers that was viewed by the information. Now, one thing you may not know about Google, it's very similar to Facebook, is that when they offer these services like their ad services and these other services, you know, because you can't really call them directly, they use outside companies to contract with their full-time employees to provide this service. That's why you can't actually reach them directly. Now, um, the move is a sign of how tech wants free spending ways are being discarded as even the most profitable and cash-rich companies take steps to operate more efficiently amid the more difficult economy that we may be in. So I want to quote what the company said. The company told managers it will hold a high bar for what should be considered business critical travel. So I think this is going to be a slight challenge to what's going on for Google. And is this going to happen with other companies? So the question you might be asking is, you know, why? Why is Google uh, restricting um, travel for business critical? Why do you think they're doing it? Well, it's because of costs, right? And because of these costs, they want to try to, you know, get a handle of what's going on and, and cut down, you know, unnecessary expenses. Google plans to limit employee travel only to business critical trips. And the company usually known for its perks reportedly said that its social functions and team off sites shouldn't be approved. Hmm. The move comes as Google and other tech companies cut spending to prepare for a potential economic slowdown, they're saying. So this tech giant sent an email around, like I said, to manage and everyone, and they were all very shocked because, you know, Google does everything very high end. But, you know, I think they're just being cautious and they're being prepared of, you know, what's really going on. And when Google does something, that's a good indication that other companies are probably going to jump on board. Hmm. Interesting. We're definitely going to have to follow that, ladies and gentlemen, and see where the heck it's going. How many of you out there would say, hey, Google? Well, imagine not having to say, hey, Google, with the new Nest Hub Max new quick phrases. And so if you have a Nest Hub Max, smart displays, uh, and other um, connected devices, and you're tired of saying, hey, Google 50 times a day before you actually say what you needed to do, like, hey, Google, do this, or hey, uh, Siri, do this. And then you say, turn the lights on or turn the lights off or set a timer for two minutes. You can now just say what you want to say. So you don't need to say, hey, Google, what you can just say, what's the weather, or cancel the alarm or set a timer for two minutes. So I think that's pretty cool. The only problem I see is that if you're talking in conversation and now you are being interrupted, I know this happened a lot with uh, one of my thermostats a while back when you'd say something, it would constantly 
try to interact and say it cannot uh, contact the internet this time when you weren't even talking to it. So quick phrases are tied to Google's voice match feature. So each person in the household will need to set up the feature for their account. So this way, if you have guests over, well, Google won't pay attention to them. So it's distinct from the look and the talk feature on the Nest Hub Max, which allows you to issue any command without the Hey Google uh, wake word. But you have to be standing close to the display, looking right at it, and have face match enabled. So it's going to basically check your face, and then it's going to be listening to your voice. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, when you say the quick phrase, the Nest Hub reacts with a small icon indicating that it heard and uh, then completes the request. Very interesting where they're going with this. So it might be pretty handy to have this without having to say the extra wake word like, hey, Google, hey, Siri. Uh, right now, they're just doing it on Google, but maybe Siri will do the, eventually the same thing. Who knows? And so um, while the turn the lights on command activates the smart lighting in the room, the Nest Hub Max, um, while you're in that same room, I found that you weren't able to say turn the living room lights off and control smart lights in another room too. So turn the lights on is different than something else, right? So turn the lights on activates the smart lighting in the room or you say turn the living room lights off or turn the living room lights on. So it has a way of being granular. So I think that's pretty cool. There is a downside. There is the potential that these quick phrases will probably mistrigger the assistant more frequently. Like I told you was happening with uh, my uh, Honeywell thermostat, which is a great thermostat. But even when I disable the voice recognition mode, it still interacts. Now, Google seemed to be able to disregard any similar commands to other assistants. Like, you know, hey, Siri, what time is it? And Alexa, turn the lights. Didn't trigger the nest as long as you didn't pause too much between the wake word and the command. So that's very interesting. So if you say, hey, Google, hey, Siri, and then bam. But if you pause, it might cause the other device to um, react. So I think this is great where we're going with voice technology and where we're going with uh, innovations and how we're trying to make life easier. But I think we've got to be careful that we don't create the annoyance factor. I think that's the biggest thing that I see. All right. Moving on to more great news. Um, so, you know, we've talked about that. You know, we talked about the Criddle and we, and we talked about the, the Google Hub Max. This is an interesting one. The United States judge rejects AT&T's bid to dismiss the SEC lawsuit over leaks to analysis. So the U.S. Uh, judge ruled, um, actually it was on Thursday, um, rejecting the AT&T Inc. T.N. bid to dismiss an unusual Securities and Exchange Commission lawsuit accusing the phone company of selectively leaking financial information to Wall Street analysis, or analysts, I should say. Uh, in a um, 129-page decision, the U.S. District Judge Paul uh, Engelmayer in Manhattan said he found, and I quote, formidable evidence that AT&T investor relations executives disclosed material non-public information to analysts and did so with 
an intent to defraud. That is interesting. So AT&T executives were accused of telling select analysts in March and in April of 2016 that smartphone sales would cause overall revenue to miss. Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, analyst forecasts. The SEC said that the goal, and I quote, was for analysts to lower their revenue forecast before Dallas-based AT&T reported results so that the results would meet or exceed the reduced forecasts and avoid disappointing the investors. Wow, that's uh, pretty hot. <laughs> and was it intentional? I, I can understand why the judge might say that. I can really see that they might have been up to no good. Um, you know, you always think these big companies, you know, can get away with things, but we're learning that they can't. And I think that's becoming more critical as the world of offline and online, they're not merging, but they're starting to become a legal responsibility from this, let's say, separate dichotomy that existed. It's starting to get a set of boundaries, which I think is pretty cool. That means now that when you copyright something, it actually does mean that it could be copyrighted online. So this is where things are going. Um, very, very interesting stuff. Very sad about what happened again with with our queen. And the might the question you might be asking is so so who uh, will replace uh, Queen uh, Elizabeth? So that's a very, very good, great question. Charles, Prince of Wales. Uh, so Charles is 73. Um, he has waited decades to become king and is the longest serving uh, heir in the British history. He is the eldest of four children born to the queen and her late husband, Prince Philip, when his mother assumed the throne at age 25, he became Britain's hair apparent at his age. Wow. Uh, interesting. So the question you might ask is who will, will replace Prince Charles? He'll be in for a while. Uh, after Charles is the elder son, William, at 40 years old, known as the Duke of Cambridge. Uh, next in line is William's eldest child, Prince George, who is just nine years old. And then Princess Charlotte at age seven and Prince Louis at age four. So um, very interesting. The question is, will uh, Prince Charles make major changes in, uh, in the throne? 
Um, I'm not sure. And I believe that he wants to keep the tradition of how, you know, England does things. England has always been about traditions from day one. But will Prince Charles make any, any changes? I think we're going to have to wait and see. Or, you know, the question you might be saying is, you know, what changes will Prince Charles make? And I feel that he's going to keep things status quo. But there are some things that are going to change. Okay. Um, there was a potential that the Queen may have still been alive when uh, Prince Charles became king. But I think it was better this way. Uh, she passed and now there's not any looking over shoulders. Uh, so um, if the Queen is incapacitated, Prince Charles will, will reign. But I think the way it happened was great because they were focusing on her passing and then they were able to handle this. So I think it was great, uh, you know, of what happened. Um, and he did become king immediately after her passing, you know, probably right within probably hours of a couple hours uh, of the ceremony. Um, so she retained her, 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 uh, crown for a very long time and I think it's interesting to say that uh the coronation may be different speaking of the coronation um Harris says um is a religious ceremony Prince Charles may adapt the ritual as well the ceremony is traditionally uh, presided over by the Archbishop of Canterbury at the Westminster Abbey and takes place several months after the last monarch's death to allow for a period of mourning. At the ceremony, the sovereign takes the coronation oath, which includes a promise to maintain the Church of England. Hmm. This is very interesting. And so now all eyes will be on William, right? Because uh, this gentleman, Prince Charles, is is, uh, is at 73 years old. I think the way this was done was very tactful. But the question is, how is he going to reign? And I don't think it's going to majorly change. The biggest thing they're saying is that he will be very outspoken. And the sovereign is supposed to be above all politics. But Prince Charles is actually somewhat of a rebel in the tendency to express his views on social and environmental issues. It is this reason that I believe might get a king to uh, precede him much sooner than uh, his passing. But this is just speculation. In contrast to the queen, who is careful to avoid expressing strong opinions in public, and instead encourages the people she meets at uh, the garden parties and receptions and walks about to speak about their own experiences. Charles is known to hold firm opinions. So I think the thing that's nice about 
Queen Elizabeth is that when she was alive, she was a person that goes after something that's in my own heart. And you guys know I'm, I'm a national keynote speaker. And coming from a great person who wrote the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, Dale Carnegie, you want to say their name properly and you want to strive to become genuinely interested in the other person. If you don't do that, well, then you're going to have an issue in life. You're going to have an issue. Why? It's because you need to rule softly without a big stick. Or if you rule with a big stick, you have to do it very softly. You can't offend people the wrong way. And England is a very time and honored place where lots of traditions took place from cheese to uh, different heritage. Now, you might say to me, John, you know, um, what is is England known for? Everyone asks me that. Uh, so England is famous for many things. Uh, David Beckham, Fish and Chips, Big Ben, uh, Red Buses, Black Cabs, Oasis, Blur. Uh, the Beatles, London, and of course, the ever popular uh, morning and afternoon tea at high tea times. And so um, there's five interesting facts that you may not know about England. England is a country in the United Kingdom. Jumping a queue can be illegal uh, in, um, in England. And... Uh, England fought the shortest war in history. England is home to one of the weirdest sports. England is mostly flat. England is the birthplace of many famous scientists. And it's the national dish there is an Indian food. So um, the question I have is, what did Queen Elizabeth like the most? Well, Queen Elizabeth's hobbies, uh, she loved to garden. Uh, this was something she really enjoyed. And in addition to doing gardening, uh, pigeoning. So uh, I think, you know, she definitely lived a great life. Uh, the Telegraph reported that following a garden renovation at Windsor Castle, the queen had become fascinated by the art of gardening and gained some real knowledge on the subject. And so having a garden the size and scale of Queen Elizabeth's world uh, would certainly come in handy uh, during times like these. And, you know, uh, her planting trees and, and different things. She also loved pigeon racing. Yes, you read that right. Pigeon racing. The Royal Pigeon Racing Association maintains that the royal family have been avid pigeon racers since 1886. Well, it's certainly a niche interest. Pigeons were gifted to the royal family and quickly took up residence in the San Harem estate. Wow. So the last question I want to answer uh, about Queen Elizabeth is, um, you know, um, you know, what did Queen um, Elizabeth, and I'm sure you guys all want to know this, what did Queen Elizabeth um, dot die from? So um, that's a good question, right? So how did Queen Elizabeth uh, die?
Well, we know she died at Balmoral Castle in the United Kingdom. And on the Queen's uh, death, Prince William and his wife, Catherine, became the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge. But how did Queen Elizabeth die? They didn't say too much. They just said she died at Balmoral Castle in her beloved summer home in the Scottish Highlands. Uh, if you're wondering what time of day did Queen Elizabeth die, the Queen died peacefully at 6.30 p.m. local time or 1.30 p.m. Eastern time. And um, so she had a very peaceful passing, which I think is uh, all the family could really have asked for. Um, what were Queen Elizabeth's last words? Uh, she had said to have a full uh, inch of makeup on her face and uh, her rumored last words were, all my possessions for one moment of time. So I think this lady was remarkable. And although I think we've got a great person to, to fill the role, it will never be like Queen Elizabeth. And that, ladies and gentlemen, I think is uh, history. She just seemed like she would go on forever and ever and ever and ever. And I know going to England and visiting Canterbury, I had a very good friend uh, that lived in England. It was just amazing. England has this set of honored traditions that we around the world celebrate. But in England, it's just different. Like if you go to Italy, the traditions of Italy are in Italy. But when you try to celebrate them outside of Italy, it's good, but it's not the same. Thus, I feel that as people that live in the United Kingdom or England, right, I feel that seeing what the Queen does and being part of her life, I think was something that a lot of people really enjoyed. And so the question you might be asking is, you know, where did um, people ask me this? Where did Queen Elizabeth spend most of her time the queen spent most of her time private weekends at the windsor castle and uh the official residence for a month over easter known as the easter court so um it was just amazing what she did and how she had such a an amazing personality. Everyone loved Queen Elizabeth. And the question you might say, so so why did so many love Queen Elizabeth? Well, I think it's because she kept her she kept her opinions to herself. She ruled for longer than any other monarch in British history. And she was loved and respected across the globe. She had that smile and she just had a way about her that was able to keep the monarch intact, but never aired dirty laundry. She was not a gossiper. When you think of Queen Elizabeth, was she a celebrity? Absolutely. But she wasn't like a typical celebrity. I kind of 
revere Queen Elizabeth as someone being higher than a celebrity. Because most celebrities, you know, they they slump to these very poor and devilish and very deceitful and two-handed backstabbing ways. That wasn't Queen Elizabeth. She had a smile. She had a way of life. And she was concerned more about the other people than she was about ourselves. That's pretty amazing. And I have to say, I wish that I would have had the opportunity to get to meet Queen Elizabeth uh, in person. Did I see her from a distance? Absolutely. But I would have loved to get to meet her, to shake her hand, and just to hear what goes on. And I'm sure you guys know uh, that uh, Queen Elizabeth, okay, if you didn't know this already, Queen Elizabeth loved, yes, she loved to drink her tea. She loved to wave her hand too. Uh, Queen Elizabeth required her tea uh, to be boiled hot. Uh, the former royal chef, Darren McGrady, who served as her personal chef to Queen Elizabeth and other members of the royal family for 15 years, recently revealed the British monarch's beverage preferences. Hot tea had to be hot, um, McGrady told the coffee friend, and tea has to be absolute boiling water poured over the top of it. Tea has to be absolute boiling water poured over the top of it. It has to steep for five minutes. That is the most important part, and it's really, really important when making tea that it is made in a teapot. That's a real cup of tea. McGrady also shared that the Queen's favorite meal is probably afternoon tea. And the queen had afternoon tea every day. Whenever she was in the world, uh, if uh, she was in Buckingham Palace, she was on her own for tea, or whether she had Prince William come and join her, or whether she had a garden party for 6,000 people, or even if she was on the Royal uh, Britannia in Australia, uh, the queen loved afternoon tea. And um, the, the question you might ask is, what else what was served at queen elizabeth's tea what yes what was served besides tea at queen elizabeth's tea well every day she would have what we called a cut cake meaning she would cut a slice of it off small cakes like eggclairs or raspberry tartlets, and then scones. And one day, plain. The next, fruit. And two types of sandwiches, smoked salmon or sage derby cheese and tomato roast beef or jam pennies. There are many recipes for Queen Elizabeth's tea, but I want to quote something. Um, Every day, she would have what we call the cut cake, meaning she would cut a slice of it off small cakes like eggclairs or raspberry tartlets and then scones. One day plain, the next day fruit and two types of jam sandwiches, smoked salmon or sage derby, cheese and tomato, roast beef or jam pennies. Now, I repeated that again to you because I wanted you to understand how this really made her life. I mean, they they made these very small pettifer sandwiches with the, the favorite flowers she liked. And um, the British royal family loved their tea as much as the rest of the nation. But where does the queen stand 
or did she stand on the age-old debate about whether you pour the milk in first or the tea? Her Majesty's Royal Butler, Grant Harold, shared an insight into the Queen's favorite tea and how to prepare the perfect brew. Drum roll, please, if you will. While the monarch is a fan of the Assam and the Earl Grey, which I happen to love Earl Grey, and will always add the milk after the tea. Actually, after I do it, too. I have the tea, I steep it. And uh, now with the invention, um, Queen Elizabeth of Instant Hot, um, we do take some shortcuts. Um, but I have to tell you, the tea is still steeped for the four to five minutes. And I find different teas have to be steeped a little longer, or a little shorter. But it's quite amazing uh, when you think about, you know, all the Harrogate teas she had and uh, the Twinnings teas and the Fortnum teas. Uh, it was just a time for her to literally just light up a room. And I think every time that she went into a room, she did more than ignite it with her beautiful smile, her spirit, and her energy. Uh, may God and, and all of the angels and um, our Lord bless you, uh, Queen Elizabeth. And uh, I wish you many, many abundant years in heaven because I know that's where you went. Uh, you had such a great heart, and I know your family is going to miss you, but I know they're going to work very hard to fill your shoes, which is not easy to do because you started doing that at 25 years old. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm John C. Morley, serial entrepreneur. It's been a privilege, been a pleasure, been an honor to be with you on another Jay Moore Tech Talk show. And if you want to be a guest on Jay Moore Tech Talk, well, go to jmore.com, click on Reach Out Today, and... Uh, Fill out the information, and if we're interested, we will get back to you. Definitely go to any one of the videos on uh, the YouTube channel and show us support. We, we really do appreciate that. And I love giving you great information about technology and making you aware of what's going on in our world. And I want to share one last thing, and that is there are a lot of scams going around. So if somebody calls you and says, hey, we're from this support company, be certain that you're really talking with who you think you're talking with before you let them into your computer. And don't give out personal information, including your own social security number, your checking account number, or even your passport number. It's been a pleasure. I hope that you have a great rest of your wonderful weekend. I hope you enjoy the great weather, which I understand is going to be a good weekend because we had some rain earlier this week. And I hope that you... Um, start to grow and appreciate technology not only for what it is but for the conveniences that it provides you and your loved ones every single day of your life have yourself a great rest of your weekend and i'll be back hopefully uh my co-host will be back with us uh, next week or perhaps by the end of the month i'm hoping he's been doing a lot of great things so definitely looking forward to bringing marcus back but in the meantime um, I will see you guys next week, September 16th, for another great Jay Moore Tech Talk show. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. And I will see you on another Jay Moore Tech Talk show real soon.
Are you suffering from chronic joint or back pain? Downtown's Healthcare in Denver offers effective alternative therapies that are non-invasive, non-surgical, and drug-free. Start your journey to a pain-free life. Call Downtown's Healthcare at 303-292-9992, now in Lowry or downtown.